All scripture is inspired by God. And that's from Genesis 1-1 to Revelations 22-21. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction. For doctrine, to teach us what is true. For reproof, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. For correction, it corrects us when we're wrong. And instruction teaches us what is right, training righteousness. I spent many years in the Air Force and I worked on airplanes. And in the cockpit of an airplane, there's an indicator. It's called an ADI. It's an attitude director indicator. And the purpose of that device is for the pilot to know how that plane is flying in relationship to the earth, what the attitude of that airplane is. Because if your attitude in that airplane is not correct, bad things can happen. If you're off to the left, you're off course. Off to the right, you're off course. If you're going too high, it might take too long to get there, run out of fuel. If you're going too low, you might crash. So the pilot must pay attention to that ADI and look at it and pay attention to it to make sure that the attitude of that plane is correct. This book right here is our ADI. It tells us where should we, we should be. But we have to make sure that our attitude is in line with this book. You know, today I'm going to, the sermon is going to be about 6,000 words. Okay? Now that's a lot of words. And unfortunately, when I'm done, you're not going to remember all 6,000 words. As a matter of fact, you might remember 50% of what I say today. Tomorrow, 25%. By the end of the week, maybe 10%. So to help you, I'm going to kind of tell you what I want you to remember, what I want you to be thinking about when you go home today, when you go home tonight, tomorrow when you're driving. And there are really three questions I want you to be asking yourself. Based upon what I heard on Sunday, what am I going to stop doing? What am I going to start doing? And what am I going to do differently? How is my attitude going to change based upon what was said on Sunday? Am I going to start doing, stop doing, and do differently. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful, Lord, to you for being a gracious God. We thank you, Lord, that you are all powerful, that you are mighty, that all things are in the palm of your hand. We thank you, Lord, for sending your son to die for us so that we were pulled out of the mire so we could sit and listen to you, Lord, and walk in the path that you have for us. But Lord, in that path, there's responsibility. And I pray, Father, that we can Find out what our attitude is supposed to be so we can live in line with that responsibility. Lord, remove all the distractions of the week. Remove the distractions of the day. Lord, remove me out of the way, Father, so that what I say, Lord, is coming from you, not from my own heart, Lord, but is your word. Bless us today and protect us, Lord, in what we do. We ask that in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Today's sermon is on selfless service. And one of the things about selfless service is that if you're going to have selfless service, you must have something called humility. Because if you don't have humility, your service really can't be selfless because part of you is in that all the time. So how do we break that down to selfless service? So we're going to go to Philippians chapter 2. And chapter 2 of Philippians 
really has the key, talking about humility of Jesus in there. But what we have to look at is, why is that so important? Is because, as we said, if God's going to use us, we have to get out of the way if we can use it. If I have, a, if I have an attitude, if I have a, my own agenda, that gets in the way. But before we read the text here, I want to put it in context about Philippians. Philippians is a letter from Paul written to the Philippians in Philippi. Okay? Philippi is in northern Greece, in the area back then called Macedonia. The people there were both Greek and they were Roman. And Paul ended up there because he, in a dream, saw a man that said, come, come to us. So he got up, he and Silas, and they went to Macedonia, and they started off in Philippi. Now, Philippi was the first city to be evangelized in Europe. Okay? So there's something special about that, I think, for Paul. But we have to remember, Paul didn't have a great time there. Because while he was preaching there, okay, there was a young lady who was following him around, if you remember. And she was saying, this guy is an emissary of God. Listen to him. And he got tired of it after a while, and he rebuked the demon that was in her and cast that demon out. And she lost the ability to prophesy, which in turn cost her owner or her supervisor, whoever that was, to lose money. And money seems to drive a lot of things back then and even today. And as a result of that, that guy got really upset. And he went and he had Paul thrown in jail, Paul and Silas. Now, after being in jail, okay, you're thrown in jail because you're doing your work, right? They're in jail, and they're not unhappy about it, but they're singing, right? In the middle of the night, what happened? There was an earthquake. The chains fell off, and he was free. And the jailer came in, and usually prisons do what? When they're free, they run away. And he was going to kill himself. And Paul said, no, we're all here. And as a result of that exchange, Paul spent some time with him. And he and his entire family came to know the Lord. So that's one of the things that happened in Philippi. So now, in the context of this letter, Paul is in prison. He's in Rome. And he's not going to leave Rome. He thinks he might. He's hoping that he might. So he writes this letter to the Philippians. Okay? Now, the letter overall itself he has concerns about the church. He has concerns about the people that he met there that he loved so much. So the first thing, he wanted to let the church know that he was okay in his letter. Secondly, he wanted to encourage them because there was some discord in the church. And he wanted them to act toward each other in humility. Third, he wanted to head off the negative teachings and the consequences of false prophets in the area. Fourth, he wanted to introduce Timothy to them because he was going to send Timothy there so that Timothy could be his emissary and they would trust Timothy as they trusted him. And fifth, he wanted to thank the church for the gift they'd given him. So that's the overall context of the letter itself. But we're going to focus in on, on chapter 2. And as we do that in chapter 2, we're going to see that doctrine, reproof, correction are all in there. Okay? So we're going to read the text. But as I read it, I want you to remember that this is a letter. It's not just a thesis. It's a letter to people he cared about. 
and people are dear to his heart. Um, and I'm going to jump back just a little bit and read and start in chapter in verse 27 of chapter 1, just to allow the context for it, because chapter 2 starts with a word that says, therefore. Okay? And if it's therefore, it means something came before that. So let's go back just a little bit and start there. So if you turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, and we'll go through chapter 2. And it says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am I absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which to them is proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God, that to you has been granted the behalf of Jesus Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Chapter 2. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem his other better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but the interest of others. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man and being found in appearance as man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Verse 12. Therefore, my brethren, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to do will and to do his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the earth, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, for that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, and I am glad and rejoice with you. For the same reasons you also be glad and rejoice with me. Verse 19. But I trust in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may also be encouraged when I know your status. For I have no one like-minded who, who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things of Christ. But you know his proven character, that as a son of his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Yes, I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, 
but you're a messenger and the one who ministered to me in my needs, since he was longing for you all. And he was distressed because you heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him only, but on me also, lest I have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him, I sent him more eagerly, that you can see him again, for you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, because the work of Christ became close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking to your service towards me. Selfless service with humility. Okay? Now, we're going to talk about some Bible characters here, but I want to point out to you that selfless service is something that happens even today. And I'm going to share with you a story about a man who exemplifies that in his life and in his death. And that man is a person by the name of Captain Emil Capon. Now, Emil Capon was a chaplain in the United States Army, and he served in the Korean War. And he received and was awarded the Medal of Honor. Now, the Medal of Honor is the highest award you can get through wartime, and it's done for service that you do while in conflict. And he received that. 3,900 people have received that award. Most of those people receive that award after they're passed away. And most of them received the award, or died, because of the actions they did to earn the award. But I'm going to read his, his narrative. And the narrative I read is the official narrative that is written and is now in the, the archives of the United States as the official citation when he received that award. And I want you to listen to what this man did. Captain Emil Capon, while assigned to headquarters company, 8th Cavalry Regiment, 1st Cavalry Division, distinguished himself by extraordinary heroism and patriotism and selfless service between November 1st and 2nd, 1950. During the Battle of Usan, Captain Capon was serving with the 3rd Battalion of the 8th Cavalry Regiment. As Chinese Communist forces encircled the battalion, Capon moved fearlessly from foxhole to foxhole under direct enemy fire in order to provide comfort and reassurance to the outnumbered soldiers. He repeatedly exposed himself to enemy fire to cover wounded men, dragging them to safety. When he was unable to drag them, he dug shallow trenches to shield them from the enemy. As Chinese forces closed in, Capon rejected several chances to escape, instead volunteering to stay behind and care for the wounded. He was taken prisoner of war by Chinese forces November 2nd, 1950. Now, those are extraordinary actions. Because one thing you have to remember is that chaplains are not allowed to carry weapons. If you have a cross in your lapel, you don't carry a weapon. So he went out into this battlefield to minister his men unprotected except by his faith in God. And he put himself in harm's way to protect those people that he was called to serve. Now, you say, well, that's in the heat of battle, and people do extraordinary things in the heat of battle. And that's true. It was in battle, and it was extraordinary. But was there something about his character, about that man, that made him do that? And there probably is, because what I've read to you is only part of the citation. 
and I want to share with you the rest of the story, so to speak. After he was captured, Capon and other prisoners were marched for several days northward toward prison of war camps. During the march, he led by example in caring for injured soldiers, refusing to take a break from carrying the stretchers of the wounded while encouraging others to do their part. Once inside the dismal prison camp, Capon raised his, risked his life by sneaking around the camp after dark, foraging for food, caring for the sick, and encouraging his fellow soldiers to sustain their faith in their humanity. On at least one occasion, he was brutally punished for his disobedience, being forced to sit outside in sub-zero weather without any garments. When the Chinese instituted a re-education program, he patiently and, provide, um, and, and politely rejected every theory brought forth by the instructors. Later, he flouted his captors by conducting a sunrise service on Easter morning, 1951. So now this is four months now he's been prisoner of war. When he began to suffer from the physical toll of his captivity, the Chinese transferred him to a filthy, unheated hospital where he died alone. As he was being carried to the hospital, he asked God's forgiveness for his captors, and he made his fellow prisoners promise to keep their faith. Captain Capon died in captivity May 23rd, 1951. He was a prison war for six months. He died alone. John, Baptist, died alone. Paul died alone. Jesus died alone. Jesus died alone, and on the cross he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because his own father turned his face from him. Sometimes our service that we do doesn't have an earthly reward to it. Sometimes our service, what we do, has a sacrifice beyond what we imagined when we set forth. We have to endure that. What I find encouraging is that as this country moves away from the Lord, there are some things that are bound. And the end of that citation reads this. Captain Emil Capon risked his life to, to save the lives of hundreds of fellow prisoners. His extraordinary faith in leadership inspired thousands of prisoners to survive hellish, hellish conditions, resist indoctrination, and retain their faith in God. His actions reflect credit upon himself, the First Cavalry, and the United States Air Force. I would like, and the United States Army, sorry. I'd like to add to that, reflect his Father in heaven. Matthew 5.16 says what? Let your light so shine before men that they may what? See your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. His actions did that. In verse 5 of Philippians 2, it says, Let your mind be in it, which is also in Christ Jesus. Okay? Do you think that his mind was like Christ Jesus? Okay. Being in the form of God, did not consider Robert to be equal, but made himself no reputation. The mind of Jesus. What is the mind of Jesus? In appreciation, we must look at the standard. Because God 
He put himself in a position that was far from where he came from. His service to us. And in, in Philippians 8, you know, Paul is talking about Jesus now, about his character, about what he did. We have to fully understand what it meant for him to come to earth. Because in John 1, 1, what does it say? In the beginning was God. We saw in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God and the Word was with God. So here is Jesus who created us because he did the work on us. And he's now volunteering to give up his position to come to earth. And Paul calls out the mind of Jesus. What is that mind? He came to earth. His purpose was what? To be a sacrificial lamb. So from the very beginning, coming down to earth, he knows that's what it's going to be. But most people, when they do the sacrificial act, you don't know necessarily that it's going to end in death. Christ knew it was going to end in death. He still did it. He humbled himself. He came to earth with no possessions, no position, no physical wealth, depending upon other people for his care every single day. From the very beginning, as a baby, he other people had to care for him. He gave up the way people perceived him, not as God, but as man. And most of them thought he was a crazy man. And even near the end, he rode into Jerusalem on a, a donkey. Not a stallion, but a donkey. And his death. His death on the cross. Dying alone after being beaten, after being stripped, when a thorn of crowns put on there. He is now hung on a cross and he dies. And he dies between two prisoners. And he dies a death that was a disgraceful death to be crucified by the Romans. So the mind that Paul talks about, the mind of Jesus, is that sacrificial mind that we are going to give of ourselves no matter what. Do we have that mind? Do you have the mind like Jesus did? Do you have a mind like Chaplain Capon did? Are you willing to humble yourself so that God can work in you, so God can work on you, so that God can work through you. In you, on you, and through you. Let me kind of explain what that is. I joined the Air Force in 1977. Young kid, you know, I know nothing about the military except I want to work on airplanes. That's all I knew. So I go to basic training, and they've got to turn me into a military man. They've got to change my attitude. They've got to change a lot of things about me so that I can be a soldier. They have to work on, you know, even today I do things. People say, we're in the military. I go, yes, because there's something different about me as a result of what happened in 1977, 1978. They worked in me so they could work on me so that once I was, had a character, my outward demeanor would be different, okay, so that I could do a job. They worked in me, on me, and through me. They worked through me so that what I did would protect this country. Okay. I used to tell young recruits when they came in to work for me, I used to say to them, you know, we are in a death um, um, career. When you do your job well, people die. When you do your job poorly, people die. So the question is, who do you want to have die? Your enemy or your comrade if you do your job well? So let me go back to that question again. Are you willing to humble yourself so God can work in you, work on your heart? 
work on you to change you and to work through you to touch the lives of others. Because as you go to verse 20, he talks about Timothy. Because now he's going to send Timothy. He's introducing Timothy to the Philippians and say, I'm going to send him to you. And he says, there is no one like him, like-minded, who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character. Now, Timothy was a young, young kid when he met Paul. Paul brought him along, him and Silas. Come on, come on with us. And he walked along in the dust of his rabbi. And I'm wondering if there are some times where he would get into a situation and go, boy, why am I following this guy? This is not, this is pretty tough. But he stayed with it. And Paul was convinced that it was worth his time and effort to mentor Timothy. Timothy was active, faithful member of the team. He became Paul's trusted ambassador. Paul would send him out places. He gave him a sacred trust to keep the gospel pure from contamination. Okay. And he served the church in an unselfish manner. You know, we have a society right now that is very narcissistic. You know, it's all about me. And you know what? And we all fall into that. When I get up in the morning and I get into the bathroom and look in the mirror, it's all about me. <laughs> right? I'm shaving, you know, I'm doing things. I want to look good. And you know what? That follows me all through the day. It's all about, I'm the most important person in my life. And I, that can go too far because in psychology world, that's called narcissism if you let it go too far. Okay? But our society right now pulls us into that. It pulls into that. We have to be aware. Now, it's like, you know, even, even cell phones. Now, cell phones now are, everything's in your hand. And I was, I was driving down the street yesterday, and there were two girls walking down the street. They're talking, and one girl is walking, and she's reading, doing this. And the other girl's talking and with her hands. I'm thinking, she's not hearing a word she's saying at all. <laughs> you know? Now, there's nothing wrong with cell phones. Don't get me wrong. But if we focus too much on them, we get self-absorbed, or we forget what the peripheral is. So we have to be very careful about that. Let's get back to Timothy. Okay? Timothy. Paul... After this, when Timothy was out, he wrote two letters to Timothy to encourage him. And those were letters. My question to you is this. How would you feel if a letter written to you became scripture? A letter to encourage you became scripture. Would you read it more often? Would you follow it more often? If you think the answer is yes, I'm going to challenge, make a challenge to you. This is a letter from God to us. Do you read it consistently and persistently? Do you follow it consistently and persistently? Because this is the only thing we know about God, what's in him. We only know what he tells us about him. So our job is to Make sure that we follow this so that we can have the heart, so we know what our attitude is, so we can, as the song says, so we can fly right. The only person that Paul talks about, the, 
Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was a man from Philippia to Philippi that the church sent to care for Paul. And he gets there, and he says, let nothing, I want to go back to the verse 3 so I can talk about him even better. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but the interests of others. While Paul was under house arrest, this man came to him. Because he was, he needed a, for a better word, a care package. And they sent him through that care package. And look what Paul says. I want to stay with the text here because what Paul says is interesting. My brother, my fellow worker, a fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one to minister to my need. Because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Most people who serve, who have an attitude of humility, they don't, they don't want other folks to know about it. They sometimes do it in quiet. They'd rather serve and be quiet. So sometimes we miss them. Okay? And that's why there were some cards handed out today. And if you didn't get one, make sure you get one. Is that if you serve anywhere in this church, we want to make sure that you're recognized. We don't want your service to go un- attended. So next Sunday after church, we're going to have a little reception for you. And you can come down and just allow us to bless you for blessing us. Because some of you do it in some quiet. And when I, since I'm new here, you know, I had to try to find these names. Who does this? Who does that? And some of well, they, this person does this. And, you know, we don't have a good hand on all those folks. And some folks serve very quietly. So please allow us to, to bless you on that. Let's get back to the text. Verse 27 says, For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, not only him, but on me also, lest I have sorrow and sorrow. So Paul is saying, you know what? If he died, I'd be more sorrowful, but God had mercy on both of us. Therefore I send him back to you more eagerly, that when you see him, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem. Receive him, therefore, in all gladness and hold such men in esteem. What type of men? Men that serve in humility. Men who do selfless service. Because of the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking to your service towards me. Okay? Again, that selfless service, that mind that was in like Christ Jesus, that he was willing to die in the service of God. When a man like Epaphroditus gives himself for the sake of God's kingdom, many people benefit. Let me rephrase that. When men like Captain Emil Capon, Timothy, Epaphroditus, and many others give themselves, many people benefit. And such men are worthy of honor, and their presence is a cause for rejoicing. Now, do you know someone like that? The question is, are you someone like that? And if you're not, why not? There are many opportunities to serve. There are many opportunities to present God to other people. Okay? You could be in a restaurant and you see someone in the corner eating alone. You go over and you reach out. Okay? In the church, we have many needs. 
we have a school right up the street that we service. And there are kids that come there that sometimes that smiling face they see when we have greeters there is the first smiling face they see. The first person they see for the day that says, I care for you, have a great day. And we're looking for folks to be part of that. So you have time, come see us. Come see Lasagna. You know, we'd love to have you be part of that team. There are other ways to reach out and serve. You can serve with kids, you can serve with adults, but I don't want to restrict that service just to the church because our job is to go out when we leave here to go out and serve. You know, Some of you, some of you need to start serving in your homes, serving your loved ones, serving your family. Some of you need to spread that out to your rest of your family, serving them in different ways, serving in the workplace, you know, and I know the environment right now is not always friendly towards Christianity. I come from Seattle where that is a very, very true statement. You can't mention God outside your home or the church because, oop, you step into my, my attitude right there. But let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The question I get asked sometimes by people say, were you in the military? Because they see something about my demeanor and I feel proud about that. Ooh, but I want to feel even more proud about somebody saying to me, what's different about you? Something's different about you. I want to hear that more than were you in the military. Because you know what? I did that, done that, and got the T-shirt. <laughs> you know? But I will always be a child of God. And I want that to be my, my legacy. Sometimes serving comes easy. Sometimes it takes a lot of effort. Sometimes it requires sacrifice. No matter if it's easy or not, it's the humility part is important. Let your mind be like Christ Jesus. We have to get over ourselves. It's not about us. There's a song about that. You should sing that sometime. It's not about us. Right? You know, it's about Jesus. It's about pointing folk to God. About pointing them towards the Savior. Because we have we live in a lost generation. They were lost back then too, by the way. Okay? And they're still lost now. The song, last song that was sang was, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. My question is, are you willing to sing that song now as a commitment? I'm not sure you sang it as a commitment earlier. If you sang that song again, could it be a commitment for you? Could you actually say that? If you use anything, Lord, could you use me? You can use me. I started by asking you to remember three things, three questions. What am I going to stop doing? What am I going to start doing? What am I going to do differently? And I'm going to ask my wife to come up and pray. And as we pray, I want you to think about those three questions. Based on what you heard about the life of Emil Kapan, the soldier who died in captivity, who died alone. The life of Timothy. The life of, what does his name of? Epaphroditus. When you think about their character and their humility, what are you willing to do differently? Thank you. Mama?
What an excellent reminder of how to serve well. Let's pray before we leave this evening. So. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for your presence. I thank you for the fact that you have given us your mind. You've given us your attitude. And Lord, when we get off track, that all we need to do is focus our attention back on you and we will be back on track. Lord, I would ask that you would help us to remember these things that we've been reminded of today. Help us to remember our attitude. Help us to remember to focus on you. Lord, give us the humility that we need to allow you to be able to work in us, on us, and through us, Lord. Father, it's so difficult sometimes to place ourselves in submission to you, Lord, but remind us that we are your servants, that you don't serve us. We serve you. And Lord, I'd ask that you would remind us of that and allow us to bow our heads before you and say yes to whatever you put in front of us to do. Lord, if there is anybody in this room who you have been nudging to serve someone in some way at work, here at church, in their own home, I would ask that you would give us the strength to say yes and to give in to what your plans are for us. Thank you for the fact that you have a ministry for each one of us, that we are useful to you, Lord. Don't let us sit by and be observers. Father, I would ask that you would allow us to be intentional participants in the plan that you have for us. And so, Lord, as we leave this place, I would ask that you would allow us as a body as well as individually to be powerfully used in our world for you because of our submission to you to be worked in, on, and so you can work through us. Father, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. We thank you for the fact that we can um, look forward and give you praise already because that work is already done. We pray all these things, Lord, in your holy and precious and mighty name. Amen.